0: Hello, faithful listeners. Before we do our regular intro and get started with content for today, Tim and I wanted to share with you the struggles that all of you have been reading about in Maui, specifically in Lahaina, where most everything burned tragically in August. Our friend and fellow vacation rental owner, Angie Leone, who was on an episode a while back about giving back of all things. Had 90% of her properties burned that she manages. Luckily, her own house wasn't burned down, but she has employees who lost everything and they are really struggling to build it all back. And so Tim and I wanted to share a way that you can directly help Angie's staff and help their families build back their life in Lahaina. The way to do that is directly to donate to Angie on Venmo. It's Angela dash Leone dash nine. So a n g e l a dash L e o n e dash nine. Go ahead and friend her and then give all you can to help a fellow vacation rental manager who is the most positive person I know in our industry has always helped others. If you listen to that episode, we recorded with her many moons ago. She gives some of her vacation rental proceeds from every booking to needy kids around the globe. So let's help out Angie and give to help them recover from that tragedy.
1: Welcome to the seventh season of the Sarah and T podcast.
0: For 30 minutes every other Monday, we are going to challenge your thinking and give you pullover moment content that will inspire transformation of your vacation rental business, no matter if you're small or large, new or old, or near or far. I'm Sarah Bradford.
1: And I'm Tim Cafferty. So let's get to it. We're back and better than ever. I hope you've had time to finish your Venmo transaction. I'm Tim.
0: And I'm Sarah.
1: Good stuff there, Sarah. I'm glad you remembered to reach out to our listeners about that unbelievable situation on Maui. Truly, thoughts and prayers, but they aren't enough. Good on you.
0: My niece, who now works at Sojo, was actually on her honeymoon in Lahaina when the fire happened. They were about a mile away pretty scary stuff. they had no idea what was happening. there was no communication, no cell service, no nothing and they luckily got out of there safely. So moving on to yeah, a much I- more superficial topic.
1: transition this from that <laughs>
0: <laughs> Today we are not talking anymore about Maui most likely, but we are going to be talking about a pretty popular subject over the years of doing the podcast Tim, what is the number one listen to subject matter? on our podcast. Dealing with homeowners. It doesn't seem like enough people cover this topic on podcasts, in sessions at conferences, but it is usually our biggest pain point. So today, as you saw in the title, we're going to talk about three really good ideas of how you can be proactive with your homeowners, meaning ways for you to get all those good coins in your pocket, right? All those... Good vibes built up with your homeowners so that when something negative happens, they're not leaving you in the dust.
1: I have done this many times. I stopped doing it during COVID and I've restarted it and I'm so happy I did. And I know you have done this for years and that's homeowner gathering, some kind of social event,
0: right? You know, I know that there's listeners out there right now that are thinking, oh "Oh, no, I'm not. Uh, I don't even want to hear about this idea because I would never put my homeowners all in the same room. Let's talk about that openly, Tim. Some of you out there have different commission structures for different owners. Some of you have made exceptions for homeowners that you don't make for others. Let's just say that everyone isn't necessarily on the same page or the same contract and you're scared to put them in a room because you think they'll start talking about it. What would you say to someone sharing that with you, Tim?
1: I was similarly concerned at first and actually had a task force that I created of staff saying, okay, make sure that owner doesn't talk to that owner. But no, what was amazing, Sarah, was the only ones that came were our biggest fans. They just loved being there. And it Absolutely. was such a great experience. I don't think any business subject really came up in terms of how much is this guy charging and, hey, did they hit you for this bill? It just doesn't happen.
0: No. I mean, if you have a good enough culture and relationship with your homeowners, just think of yourself. You wouldn't show up to a party that someone's hosting for you and start taking different friends aside at the party to rip on the host of the party. Okay. It just doesn't seem nice. And it is true. The biggest cheerleader showed up. It was a great motivator for staff because they saw these people that love our company. And this is the other thing. When you create a homeowner gathering, not everybody will come. Most of your homeowners don't live anywhere near your destination. And only the ones that are in town are going to show up. So... You do want to pick a time when you see a lot of homeowners are in town like you have to look at your calendar and go ooh like in our system it was green i think were the homeowners so mm-hmm. where's a lot of green let's have it when they're here but you get major kudos just by inviting all of them even though most of them can't come
1: yeah just getting the invite is a win mm-hmm. i will tell you a quick story though not to derail this whole positive vibe I worked for a corporate organization at one point that I've mentioned on this podcast many times, and they did extensive research to find out where the largest concentration of owners were in the country for this company. It turned out to be Atlanta, Georgia. And so they reserved this space in the Buckhead Mall, north of Atlanta. You know what I'm talking about? Really upscale. Uh We had cocktails. They had this rope around, you know, so people couldn't get in. People like shoppers going by going, what's over there? They're serving drinks.
0: They had it at the mall.
1: They had at the mall and they had all the corporate officers fly in and they had the GMs in the region fly in, which was, I was there. And I was sitting with the other GMs in the back as these owners are coming in from St. Simons, Georgia and Destin, Florida, and these other places. Cause they all lived around Atlanta. And this one woman comes in with this grocery bag. I'm like, Oh, look at this one. And she goes right up to the corporate officer and she reaches in the bag and she pulls that dirty air filter. no. And then she also had like a washcloth that was so worn, you could see through it. Welcome to owner relations, corporate.
0: Right. I would dread that. But that's just a perfect example of not having great homeowner communication that they feel like they have to bring the filter and humiliate the crew. And no
1: culture at all. So that will not happen to you. But again, back to the point, making the date well in advance, create a nice invitation. Mail it to all of your owners, and again, if they get in the mail, look what they're doing. You chose the right company; these guys are great.
0: And you know, have a happy hour, cocktails. You can serve dinner if you want. And we're going to get into one of the best ideas around homeowner gatherings here in a second. But I want to say before we get to that that it is so important you have staff there. If you have staff, I guess I should say. But if you own the vacation rental company, don't just be there as the hot shot that's there with them. Have Your maintenance guys come. Have your cleaners come. Show them these people in person on both sides of that fence, right? And then prepare your staff for who's going to be there, explaining that your expectation for them is to talk with these people. You do not want to see three or four staff in a huddle like you were there at the Buckhead Mall. You want the staff to know that they're supposed to go up, give them roles about what they're supposed to do at the event and have them go speak and impress these homeowners. It goes a long way to set that expectation ahead of time.
1: Absolutely. We just had one of these gatherings in the spring. We had it on the Saturday before Easter. So you do have to make some judgment calls. Ooh, is that a good day? I don't know. People might be doing some family stuff, but we had a great participation. But the two stars of the show, Ernie, the maintenance guy, who everybody wanted to talk to Ernie. Oh, I see your name on my work orders. You do such a good job for us. And Alex, the pool guy. Everybody wanted to talk to Alex, the pool guy.
0: I love it. I've met both of those folks. Super good guys. I love talking to Ernie. The other thing is that we did do a prep, not only what we expected of staff, but we did go through everybody we thought we'd be there and talk about any landmines, meaning, remember, this happened last week. Hey, Sarah, I don't know if you knew, but they found bugs in their sink or something. Just so we're all ready. And if that owner said to me, especially, well, you know what happened last week, that I'm not sitting there going, no, what happened last week? So, Get all the preparation done, but do not fear homeowner gatherings. Put some money into this. If you spend five grand on this party, I'm not bothered. I feel like that is money well spent that these homeowners, when you put a party on for them, they don't leave you the next week.
1: I remember the owner came up to me and said, you heard about the drip pans, right? Yes, sir. I did hear about the drip pans and we've got a plan. But he became one of our biggest advocates he talked to his neighbors about how great of a job we were doing in this party we had. And the guy said, well, I never went to a party with my company. Sure right. enough, the owner called us up and said, oh, I want to hear about what you guys are doing for so-and-so.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Especially if you do this during a big homeowner meeting, like one of those HOA meetings, if you manage a large building that has a bunch of condos, we had the party that weekend. So then all of the homeowners, not just the ones on our program, we're telling the other homeowners, Oh, well, we have to on Friday night, we're going to, you know, the winter park lodging company party. And they're like, what party is that? Oh, well, we, they manage our, our condo. I mean, it's great name dropping. It looks awesome. Just do this, everyone. And, and I want to bring up something I think Tim's going to also share is that, okay, they might not sabotage you at the party. And I'm pretty sure they won't, but they definitely probably want to give you thoughts and ideas. Like this is their moment, especially with the owner of the company, you, Tim, it was me. This is their chance to say, Hey, I don't talk to you very much, but I have this idea of what you could do on Instagram. Okay. Or some other idea of what you should do with your washcloths. When you do these proactive events with homeowners, stay humble, be open and just listen and don't get defensive. It doesn't matter if you don't agree. Let them get the chance to tell you what they think you should do. That's half of really the point of letting them do that. Does that make sense?
1: I take it a little bit further than that. I always have a notepad in my back pocket. You want to really know that you got them? Pull out the notepad and say, do you mind if I take notes?
0: Oh, gosh.
1: Yes. And so that's Instagram. Yes. Instagram. Right. Yep.
0: Oh, Tim, you are a one-upper. And you know what? I bet your notebook, your little notepad has blue logo on it. It has Outer Banks blue. And just, could I take my Outer Banks blue notepad out and take notes on these fabulous ideas? Make
1: sure I don't forget this because I'm going to see <laughs> a lot of owners and I want to make sure I get with my marketing manager on this. <laughs> so.
0: So what's the new idea about homeowner gatherings that you liked that I did, Tim? Let's talk about it.
1: Well, in my vernacular, they came for the roasted oysters. I don't make any bones about it. They came for the food, baby. The dip, the crab dip, and the cheese and the roasted oysters. They love that stuff. And we had a guy playing the guitar in the corners, kind of relaxed. But you know what? Never occurred to me. A speaker. Ugh. Now, we've had vendors come in, like the electric guy and the plumbing guy that might show up on the invoice every now and then, and they they get to meet Butch the plumber. Oh, man. Yeah, you fixed my so-and-so. That's great. But somebody who's like a keynote-type speaker to talk about issues in your area, gold, baby.
0: Yeah, maybe a local that you can't get to as easily. In Winter Park, we did the CEO of Winter Park Resort, Sky Folks. I asked him to come, and I thought he'd say no. And he was like, sure, I'll come. Because, of course, it's advertising the resort to them. And the homeowners loved it. They got to socialize with him. And then he gave a formal speech about the plans at Winter Park Resort. I would say, Tim, if, if you're a smaller company or you just haven't figured out a guest speaker to have, for sure during the event, at the height of the event, it's like I just went to a wedding. It's almost like you need to give a toast. You need to formally thank everyone. If you've ever noticed in a social setting, when someone you know dings the cup and has the guts to say something, it makes everybody feel a little more vulnerable and a little more connected as a group. Does that make sense? Like when someone gives a toast at a wedding, if it's a good one, like the one I went to last weekend, everyone's having more fun. They're laughing together. They're understanding why they're there. So at least give a toast and say, You know, have a couple lines to say, don't talk very long. We're so thankful for all of you, blah, 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 blah.
1: The queen of reading the room right there, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent stuff. So we've got to get to a break here in a minute, but we got a couple of more things on this homeowner gathering before we get to the other two meaty parts of this podcast. One of them is obvious. Make sure everybody's wearing a name tag. And if you have the property that they own referenced on there, is that an owner over there? No, Tim, that's one of your employees. (laughs) That's right. Okay. But having the name tag on there and making sure all the kids have name tags because they bring their whole family and then make a big deal over the kids. Oh, gold, baby. Yeah. yes,
0: And have something for the kids to do. I've noticed that people bring their kids, right? Because they're younger kids. They don't have friends to go see because they're at their vacation rental. So have something for the kids to do. The parents will appreciate that. Make sure someone's greeting them when they get there, someone from the staff. And here's the thing. We talk to these people so much on the phone or by email. We don't always recognize them. So that's why it's so key that these name tags are easy to read. So when you walk up, you don't go, and have I met you before, they're like, Sarah, we've talked on the phone all the time. And of course, they recognize me because I do those videos and the newsletters and I'm super famous. But, you know... You want to make that a really positive ex- experience and be sure to have name tags with property name.
1: And don't forget party favors. I did this for the first time this past year. There's actually a movie that was filmed here on the Outer Banks. It won some awards. It was a small movie, but they actually used one of my offices for one of the scenes. And so the producer of the movie gave me all these CDs of the movie. And so I gave out movies to the owners when they were there. It was a small gesture. You would have thought I handed them a $100 bill. Oh, this is so cool. I've heard about this movie. I wanted to see it. Thank you so much.
0: That is so awesome. And again, if you spend 500 bucks on your party favors, whatever, it goes a long way. Okay, time for a quick break where we're going to get more educational content this time from key data one of our sponsors remember we don't have ads coming up we have content you don't want to miss so daniel from key data is going to talk to us about
2: increasing your inventory hey this is daniel from key data with an update on u.s inventory growth U.S. short-term rentals have seen demand soften through the summer of 2023. However, even with fewer travelers, half of the property managers using key data saw year-to-date revenue increases as of August 20th. The 50% of rental managers that saw an increase in revenue year-to-date for 2023 had one notable difference from the 50% that did not. Their inventory increased by an average of 24% year over year, which resulted in a 14% average increase in revenue. Meanwhile, inventory was down an average of 2% year over year for those companies that saw an average decrease in revenue of 13%. While revenue and inventory rates had massive gaps, RevPAR average daily rates and adjusted paid occupancy were quite similar between the two groups. This paints the clear picture that U.S. property managers who have seen revenue growth in 2023 have done so due to their inventory growth year over year. The performance also demonstrates that an increase in revenue does not equate to an increase in RevPAR. Of course, companies expanding inventory should carefully evaluate associated employee costs and whether the new properties align with their brand. But now might be the perfect time to look into expanding your inventory with a data-driven approach to expansion.
0: Okay. Thank you, Daniel, from Key Data.
1: Another way to grow your inventory is to have awesome owner parties. There you go. Oh, There you go. So it all fits together somewhere. We teased three aspects. One, we've already covered the homeowner gatherings. There's two other things you can do that really help on this whole owner engagement thing, Sarah.
0: Pretty sure I've discussed this on some ancient podcast episode we did before, but I'm really into surveying the homeowners, not serving the homeowners. You should do that too, but also surveying the homeowner. And I don't think it should be a long survey. I just got a survey from like Homewood Suites it was, I swear, it was 20 different screens. I finally gave up. But because if you say anything less than seven, then they give you this whole slew of questions like, what didn't you find clean? Well, where was it? Well, what happened? It's like, stop it. I just thought you wanted to know if I was happy or not with my stay. Please explain your answer. Yeah, please explain your answer.
1: I don't don't have to.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I don't even want to be doing this. So when you survey your homeowners, I believe that you should survey them twice a year after a big season or it's kind of two lull points. If you have them, we used to do it in May after the ski season and then we did it in October after the summer. And you send a very simple survey out, maybe survey monkeys, what we used to use something easy. It says, you know, this is from us. Will you please take this two question survey? It should take you less than three minutes, something very direct ask them if you could or were asked by family and friends, would you recommend, fill in company name, and you put one to 10. It's the net promoter score, right? Very simple. Second question, why did you rate us what you did above? Please share things you like about us or what you want to improve about us. And there's a free form. Done, done, done. Nothing else. And then you send them a reminder because in those systems, you can send reminders to the non-respondents and do that for maybe a couple weeks. And then, you know, you want to sit down and analyze that. Tim, what do you think about surveying?
1: I like how you just put it open-ended survey where they have a free form essay. That's sort of like an open invitation to let them tell you how to run your business. But if you have a purpose filled short survey, that may be a little self-serving. Maybe, for instance, you're about to roll out standard betting. Get their opinion on that. And then you can go back and say, 73% of the owners surveyed said they would like to see standard betting. So good news for you. Guess what we're doing in 2024? You know, that kind of yeah. thing. I love that idea.
0: And then the homeowner, one of the homeowners like, well, I didn't agree with that. I guess I was only one. Little they know, no one did, but you just said it was 78%. Exactly. Yeah, that's a good way to do it too. If you survey them twice a year, the homeowners get very used to being surveyed and they don't have as much of a vibe that they need to lay it all out for you of everything they've ever thought in their ideas of how you should run the company. When people have the opportunity to share, they find higher satisfaction. You're giving them a proactive way to tell you what they like or what they don't like. So then my staff, my managers, we would sit down, go through the results. We'd go through at an aggregate level. Okay. Like how, how do we do? We got a 9.3 overall on net promoter. And then SurveyMonkey lets you see the email of every single response. So you know who they are. And we would go through all the positive comments. And those all were wonderful to read out. Some people got shout outs. But of course, the negative comments were the ones everyone remembers. That's just kind of how it goes. But we would go through those negative comments and assign out who should call who, who should reach out about this. Is this good feedback? And then sometimes you see a trend of feedback. Like, 10 different people say that your cleaning fees are too high or whatever, and you start to see a general pain point that probably the homeowners who haven't responded also might agree with.
1: Love that. And the other thing that comes to mind as you were talking about that is you have an idea where you stand, where you wouldn't if you hadn't did a survey. In other words, if you have an owner who's maybe not 100% happy, but they're not the kind that complain, this might bring it out and you go, Ooh, there's a problem with that one. We yeah. might need to do some work on that. And we've talked about maybe doing a future podcast about reading between the lines. You know, you think everything's okay, but is everything really okay? Owner survey can help you on that.
0: And also you might, they rated us a four of one to 10, what? And that's not a confused person. You don't pick four. I mean, if you pick one, you probably thought that one meant good and 10 meant bad. But if you pick four five or six, You feel average about this person. And you know, you said self-serving. I was thinking you were going with these are a little bit self-serving in that you can say to yourself or a homeowner down the road, I've been asking you for feedback. And when you proactively ask for feedback, it's pretty hard for a homeowner the next month to say, I've just been really disappointed and I'm leaving you. Oh, okay. Because we've been like proactively asking and you never told us, right? So even if you're small, I encourage you survey the homeowners. And I will admit, we used to send the survey after we sent the next item we're going to talk about, which is how they did for the year. So we'd send them like a fun newsletter, homeowner newsletter. We'd send them their report on how well they did. And then we'd send them a survey. Like we'd buttered them up and then we sent them the survey.
1: Queen of reading the room right here. So... Let's talk about that last aspect, because I think we have a little bit of a different perspective on giving an annual report to the property owner. So you give them what you just said. You send them a newsletter and kind of wrapping up the year about how it was generally. And then you give them a report about this is how you did, Ms. Bradford.
0: We didn't send one at the end of the year because we weren't on that type of cycle, So we sent them an email at the end of ski season and then the end of the summer, early fall season, summing up for them. Hey, did you know you made this much more than last year? You had this many more nights booked or your ADR, your average daily rate went up 3% this year, or it went up 12%, or you made an average of 104 more per night. All those stats we sent to them usually comparing the previous year of that season. But I think you could also do it for the whole year. I don't think about this as like the time for the 1099. It's not like the 1099 comes out with this. It's more of a, hey, Jane, here's what we saw this summer. You beat the average. They always want to know if they beat the average or they're under the average. And I've shared this before with you, Tim. We would make a spreadsheet with five or six different tabs. It would be like, up on rate and up on revenue. They get the email that's like, life is great. Then we'd have the tab of lower revenue, but higher rate. And we would really highlight the higher rate in that email. (laughs) Then we'd have a tab of new properties Well, you can't compare to last year. So you just tell them how it went. And then we'd have a tab of down on revenue, down on rate, Sometimes we sent those, but sometimes we would make that our call list to actively reach out and talk to them about how they weren't doing well. The most important thing to remember though, if you put these together, it's a little tedious, but we did that thing in Gmail that like mail merge with fields. So it went pretty easily from a spreadsheet. The most important thing to remember is owner nights. An owner might use their place a lot more in one year than another. So don't freak out that you're telling them their revenue is less if you're telling them their owner nights were up 150%. And it's really, really crucial that you tell them what their owner nights were. The reason for sending this is because everybody doesn't stare at their statement and create graphs and charts and databases around how their vacation rental is doing. So some of them don't even realize that they grabbed seven key weeks through the year that you could have been booking their place. And I think it's important to to share that with them. What do you think? Tim,
1: You just gave everybody a masterclass on that. So rewind (laughs) button is over on the left side of your screen. You want to hit that once or twice to re-listen to that. Because I was going to ask you, what about the ones that didn't perform as well? And I think that gives you an opening to have a conversation, right? About owner nights, maybe about the decor, maybe about the rate, or, or in my case, when you got the contract back to me. Because in North Carolina, again, real estate state, I have to have a renewal every year. My contracts have been out with my owners since April. Here we are, end of September. I just received one a few days ago. They've missed five and a half months of opportunity to get their houses booked. Do they so realize that?
0: Do they realize that?
1: Well, we, w- we just wanted to see how it went before we returned our contract. Well, you've already tied a hand behind my back for next year. Because guess what? We've already got 700 weeks booked for next summer. Yeah, And you aren't going to get that exposure for the guy who was here in July looking around for a place for next year. So those kinds of conversations, obviously not use that tone. I would make the point. So those kinds of conversations, I'm just wondering, is that what you would do in that scenario when you had the underperforming property?
0: Absolutely. Just being proactive about that instead of them reaching out, telling you that they feel like they're not doing well. And on the flip side. Telling them that they did better than last year is often a shock because they just got those that money every month. They got their money, they got their money. They aren't adding it all up. A lot of people don't. And they sometimes think they're not doing as well as last year. Sometimes. And then you look at, yeah. And this is like your alert to be like, hey, we made you a hundred dollars more per night and we booked more nights. And your revenue is up 26%. Like It's pretty hard to leave a company that's sending you that kind of data because it also sends the message to them that you're looking at the data. You look sophisticated. I had homeowners say, oh my gosh, I never got this from my previous companies. Like I don't even know if they looked at this data. What you're saying is I care about you. I care about your performance. And I want to make sure you know what's happening.
1: So I was ready to argue with you on this. Because I am of the opinion that owners don't read, but I think you're right. Everybody hear that? Sarah's right. What a shock.
0: Could we have like a sound effect when you have to do that? (laughs) I love
1: it. uh, That's about the way I feel. You guys know that we see each other on Zoom. I cannot see all of her head anymore on the screen.
0: Oh, yeah. Wait, let me move the screen. Oh, there it is. it's It's swollen. Tim had to tell me two times this week that I was right and he was wrong. So I'm really doing well.
1: Okay, good. All right. Anything else you want to rub in on me here? So we've covered homeowner gatherings, surveys, and annual reports. Sounds like a great recipe for success to me.
0: Well, I don't get to do these things anymore since we sold our companies. So I want to hear about your homeowner gatherings, your surveys, and your annual reports this year. So maybe in a month or two, Tim, you report back to us on how it all went. Yes, ma'am. Will do. All right. That's what we have for you today. At least pick one of these three items and go get them with your homeowners. People are coming after your homeowners every day with phone calls even, but also email, mailers, realtors maybe getting paid off to suggest somebody else. Hold those homeowners tight. They are how you make money and how you're successful in your business. Be sure to like us on Facebook, Instagram. And LinkedIn, we're posting a lot there these days with little tips and tricks about how to run your vacation rental company. And of course, we'd love a review. If any of you would take the time to write a review on your favorite podcast app, we read those and it really fills our heart with joy, doesn't it, TM?
1: It does. I might even be able to arrange an autographed picture from Sarah.
0: <laughs> Don't go that far, okay?
1: If you have an app hit the subscribe button so you don't miss any content whenever we put out a new episode. Appreciate you listening. See you next time. So long, everybody.
0: Bye-bye, Tim.
3: You've just listened to Sarah and T, the professional vacation rental managers podcast hosted by Tim Cafferty of Outer Banks Blue and Sandridge Blue and Sarah Bradford, former owner of two vacation rental companies in Colorado. Now advising other VR companies to thrive and grow. Today's episode was brought to you by their podcast partner, Key Data. Key Data provides access to granular, unique data for vacation rentals and hotels to navigate uncertainty with confidence. With deep roots in property management and data partnerships with all the leading experts in the vacation rental industry, Key Data goes deeper than any other data provider, giving you all easy access to data you need for information, critical pricing, marketing, and budgeting decisions. eDataDashboard.com is their website for you to find more information. Special thanks also to ICND for hosting Sarah and T's website. Sarah and T love to hear from their listeners. You can reach out to them on Facebook, LinkedIn, or their website, sarahnt.com. They always love to read a review on your favorite podcast app. Even better, if you like this episode, share it with a friend. Sarah and T will be back with a new episode very soon.